0: Welcome to the podcast. On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by several guests as we discuss the memories of wrestling from their childhood. But first up, a quick game of Fast Fire Five. Okay, Spud. So, in this episode of the podcast, you are here to maintain the streak. The streak is alive, Spud
1: it has to continue it's the most important streak in wrestling today so 100 uh pleasure to be here as usual
0: <laughs> well so we're talking childhood memories um, moments that got you into wrestling or got you fascinated with wrestling so i want to play a little bit of a game with you i'm going to pick five years mm-hmm. and when i throw these years at you they'll be in chronological order I want you just to throw back a memory from each year that sticks out to you from when you were a kid and watching wrestling and loved it. So first up we have nineteen ninety seven.
1: Kane debut. That's gotta be Kean. That was a big one.
0: Massive, massive, massive shout yeah. actually as well with the commentator. JR. I didn't
1: want to I didn't want to do the screw job like everybody else, so Yeah. Nineteen
0: <laughs> ninety 1998,
1: 98, Tyson Austin. Uh, because I always talk about the Hell in a Cell match. So, t- pretty much everything with Austin and Vince that year as well. <laughs> the doctors, the bedpan, everything. Yeah. 1999? Um, it was me, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> it was me all along because that made no sense and it still gets me.
0: 2000? Uh, 2000.
1: <laughs> 2000. I did it for The Rock. <laughs>
0: i can see where this is going these quotations
1: you no I just i'm thinking out loud mate but i did it for the rock and just that whole that whole storyline
0: yeah Two, and finally 2001
1: invasion i suppose the invasion angle Uh she and ben wcw where it was the simulcast on both yes. channels
0: yeah very nice. Very nice. That concludes our first quick fire round of five, and we'll be sure to resurrect this at certain points. So thanks for your time today, Spud.
1: Anytime now.
0: Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a couple of weeks from your very successful, brilliant debut, talking about the career of Randy Orton. So, what is going on? How's your day been? Big happy birthday to you?
2: Yes, thank you, mate. It's uh, it's good to be back. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation last time. Yeah, man, uh, not a lot, really. The Sunday, my birthday, combining birthday and Sundays, chill. I've had a nice lunch, done a few bits and pieces around the garden and I've spent some time swinging in the hammock reading a nice book. So yeah, all good so far. Like I say, good to be back.
0: Good, good. Listen, we're going to talk about one of my favourite topics and something I'm sure you'll quite enjoy getting into. I want to talk about your childhood wrestling memories or your first wrestling memories if you weren't maybe a child when you get into wrestling. So the first question for you is what made you interested in professional wrestling or what attracted you to the wrestling industry
2: well i mean it's interesting because it was always something that i've known as being part of my life it's like you know when you think back to be like i said i mean you, you brought it up i'm 34 years old today uh, for those listening recorded on the 9th of august and you know when you think back to being like a child and you think about things that were always a part of your life but you can't remember why they were or how they ended up or started being a part of it. Wrestling was one of them. Uh, I've got an older brother that's considerably older than me. He's in his mid-40s from a previous marriage of my mum's. And I think a lot of it came through him, really. I mean, I'm the only one, really, that's still into it and was obviously actively involved in it. But, you know, we'd go to his granddad sometimes, and his granddad will have recorded WWF Superstars of Wrestling, the old Saturday show that they used to have, Back in the days when your main event stars like Hogan and Savage and one thing and another weren't wrestling on the television, they would cut promos and they'd show highlight videos, but you were, you know, you were waiting for pay per views to see those big guys wrestling. So you'd see job guys like, you know, things that they really don't benefit from these days. Yeah. Things like guys like Barry Horowitz. And the Brooklyn Brawler getting jobbed out to people like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and Tatanka, who's one of my absolute all time favorite heroes. Yeah. Um, and and I, I just really enjoyed that. And it was always something that was around growing up and something that I always was attracted to.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned there, like some of the job guys with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and stuff. Give me one massive memory from wrestling when you were a child that got you hooked into, I got to keep watching this? I mean, they're,
2: they're, it's, it's a difficult question to ask. Obviously, you know, I I, I, um, I stop and think about one memory. And, you know, I mean, the, the first memory that I've got, one of the first memories is from 1992. So I've got, I feel like Jim Cornette when I, when I'm asked this question, because I've got <laughs> such, a va- such a vast library of things to go through. I mean, I'll just give you a couple of examples. I love. McFoley Foley coming off the top of the Hell in a Cell. Yeah. I loved Triple H's Madison Square Garden return at, uh, on Raw after his year absence. I loved Vince McMahon's terribly bent, crooked middle finger when he stood at the top of the ramp after Undertaker and Kane took the say, World Wrestling Federation Championship off him. Yeah. And he's standing at the limousine saying, "You don't have this anymore. It's mine. That finger yeah. will stay with me for the rest <laughs> of my life." And look, it looked like the guy from Scary Movie. A little <laughs> take my stronger hand, child. Um, yeah. And then like earlier stuff, like I said, what, the, the the characters. You know, when you when you come from a small town like West Brom, and everybody's kind of the same, doing the same job, speaking the same way, doing the same thing. Seeing all these outlandish characters, uh, you know, Berserker. Hacksaw uh, Jim Duggan, Coco Ware. And then as you go up into the uh, the attitude era, seeing the way people did things like, you know, Flash Funk, for example, is one that I've been watching a lot recently and just blowing my mind at how, how good it actually was. I just liked the fact that it was something that was so outside of the ordinary that I could really get, sink my teeth into and use it as like an escapism. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many memories, I think. Of when
0: you're a kid like for me the very first exposure to wrestling I ever seen was uh obviously you knew of Hogan and Savage when you were for me anyway when I was super young but it never really connected too much with it for me it was in the middle of the night flicking through the tv it was Survivor Series 97 and I seen Bret Hart walk out and that was the first image I ever seen that where I properly took it in and it got me I wouldn't say hooked but it got me interested enough to see what happens next and could never find anything but eventually i found the big show and tv guy it was dx in your house and it was austin beating up the whole nation on top of the truck and that's yeah. from and that for me is where i was hooked was seeing austin beating up the Lo brown and the rock and Kama and putting him through the windshield of the truck is when i went from mm. interested when i seen brett this larger than life character going he looks so cool to see dx in your house and being like that's my guy I love that guy. Whoever that guy is, he's my guy. And that was really what got me sort of hooked. And it is hard to really pinpoint one memory. But I want to throw one at you here. And I'll be quite interested in your response because you've talked to me at length before about Bret Hart. You've talked to me at length before about Ric Flair. And I know this is a very difficult question because it's almost like you could have a favorite wrestler for every different era of when you watched. Agreed, agreed. But I'm going to ask for when you were a kid anyway, your favourite wrestler and what they did drew you into continuously watching their product?
2: Ah, see, when you say as a kid, that's, um, that's so difficult. Uh, <laughs> it really I, is, I, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, my go-to was, I was going to go to Ric Flair and I mean, I'll elaborate on that slightly later, but in fact, I can probably answer the question in the way that you've said it, a different favourite wrestler for each part of your fandom, uh, you know, I'll rapid fire real quick, Goldust. When Goldust came onto the scene in 95, hooked, couldn't get over it, couldn't get past it. There was just something about it that I connected with. I'm quite an enigmatic uh, person myself. I have quite an interesting personality, style, in the respect that I am quite loud, quite out there. But I'm actually quite a humble, quite shy, reserved person. So that kind of flicker between both personas was something that I was really interested in. I loved Mankind. Yeah was brilliant but then as a young child tatanka tatanka was incredible that undefeated streak i loved the tradition around him i loved how he was fighting and clawing for everything that he did it's funny that you mentioned obviously about the way you got hooked in was with uh, brett in on, on that promo it was a promo for me i know when uh, thinking back to my intro on the orton show that we did uh, the the highly successful Randy Orton show may I correct myself (laughs) Uh, was it was a Ric Flair promo so it was when Ric Flair had jumped in 92 from WCW and he was he was the real world champion I didn't have a clue who Ric Flair was in 1992 I was six years old I'll I'll never forget it it was one of those promos that the WWF did on the green screen and for me realistically it was this big because obviously I didn't know where Razor Ramon was from, so the setup was Razor Ramon and Flair, and they were stood next to each other. Razor was wearing the gold chain, the iconic gold and black vest, slick back hair, oozing the machismo. The green screen was set to it was either a an alley or steel plates. I can't remember which. But then you just had this old looking man in a suit absolutely losing his mind, pulling his shirt, jacket off, pulling his tie off. And I was just, I was like, I want to know more about this old guy that can kick somebody's backside. Yeah. And that was something that always resonated with me uh, as a memory. And that's one of the reasons why I've always, always loved Flair, because I've always from much childhood, I've seen him as that guy. I've never seen him as anything else. Well, he's always been old. That's the thing with label. <laughs> but, you know, I've always resonated from that from that first time when I saw that promo with uh, Razor. I mean, my ultimate favourite wrestler of all time, and I've had the pleasure of meeting this guy and was dumbfounded and couldn't speak for 45 minutes, was Terry, Is Terry Funk. I say was. I don't want to be saying was. Was is a bad thing to say about Terry was through watching a documentary from the 90s called Beyond the Mat.
0: Yep. That
2: documentary changed, single-handedly changed my fandom for wrestling. It exposed me to other styles, other people, and obviously I, I don't know how it correlates. I'm thinking about time literally on the fly. I don't think we'd had Chainsaw Charlie yet. But I just saw this guy, and again, I don't know whether it's just the old man thing that can just kick somebody's backside, but I just really resonated with Terry Funk. I loved how crazy he was. I loved how he could just take a beating and just keep on going and asking for more. Um And yeah, it's weird as you grow older, you change into these uh, different phases. But yeah, no, um Gold Dust, Mankind, Flair, Terry would be my uh, favourite off the top of my head thinking about stages of life. Yeah. I mean certainly
0: very unique characters and very different characters in different ways. You've always been a wrestling fan and even now you would watch wrestling, although you've sorta of struggled since sort of WrestleMania onwards without the fans and the way things are going and stuff. What do you is the biggest difference between the product then and now? And is there anything that's happening now that's turning you off from today's product?
2: I don't like the style. It's difficult because obviously, you know, we've spoke before and I'm sure it'll come up in topics in the future. I was um, a referee for a time and, and I've seen the, the style evolve and, you know, it's it's just not something I'm into. And I think a lot of that has come from the era, era when I came in because the era of the big men and the characters from 92, 3, 4, 5 wasn't the same as seven, 97 98 2000 onwards so it, it's evo- it's always evolving the business is always evolving i just can't get behind it there isn't enough strength in the characters i don't think they're given enough free time and free reign to develop it organically yeah uh, I think one of the things for that is obviously, because the business now is big money, sponsors and things and being signed up to big networks and corporations limit what you can and can't do. I think the industry as a whole has changed drastically. you know you look at how it was in the in the attitude era, take that for the example of something we can both relate to yeah um, you know, some of the risks that they were taking, you know the the open open-headed chair shots and one thing and another. I, I I don't like that anymore. I look back at those things now and I think, Jesus, how are some of these guys that are still going, still alive? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's crazy. I don't know is it, the answer. It's hard because the crowd, for me, is a huge part of, of the show. Uh, you know, everybody if you don't think that Raw after WrestleMania is the best Raw ever, or when Raw goes to Canada or SmackDown goes to Canada, you've been living under a rock or you've been watching something else. Yeah. So, I've lost that aspect of it because I don't know who's over anymore. I don't know who's a heel and who's a face, and and just just the weird stuff. It's like all the some of, some of the things that they're doing in AEW. It's just like. As somebody that used to be an official, the the blatant disregard of rules, uh, making officials look stupid, officials being taller, bigger and wider than most of the talent, (laughs) uh, you know, is ridiculous. But, yeah, I think I'm just ranting now. But um, I think it's because I grew up in a hot time and the business is down say what you want about the business being popular i'm sure tony khan will say if you look at his twitter page but the business is down and it's not the same as it i don't think you could get the same popularity now because i don't think the, the same level of characters are there
0: i i struggle when i look at wrestling to see a star you know i've always when i watch wrestling i like to see a star do you know what i mean like in the era of you talked about hulk hogan and randy savage and then you mentioned rick flair and even on and on you, you mentioned sean and brett and the attitude area you had the rock and austin and we hadn't even touched on the undertaker but now i'm looking at th- at the product and i'm struggling to see a star i'm struggling to see someone that as a fan i can watch and look at and go that's the guy
3: because i feel
0: a lot of the guys are much of a muchness maybe they're all unique and they're all different but i don't see anyone who's gonna you know take the ball and run with it whereas in every era, you've always had one maybe two people sometimes more that have been able to really carry and say no that this is my show and i'm going to run the show and i'm going to be the sort of focal point of this show just by their quality of work
2: yeah i think that's the same on both channels though um both shows you know i, I realistically and I might be off the mark saying this because it is just something that's on the top of my head, but I don't think we've had a real defining breakout character since
0: John Cena. Yeah. I mean, I would I would argue Reigns would be in the category, but I don't know if he, he he hasn't. We could be honest and say he hasn't made the same impact Cena has, and I would agree with you. I think yeah. Reigns could be the closest to that, but I still don't think he's there. And if you think about it, he's been at the top of the card for five years. So yes,
2: absolutely there is one guy that I'll, uh, I'll throw his name out of the hat that I do see as somebody that is unique. Uh, he can hold his own and could elevate AEW. And obviously, m- much to the chagrin of saying this, because I do like, to, I do really like to think that his heel gimmick that he portrays in everything he does literally is him because he absolutely nails it. I'm talking about MJF. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I first got into MJF uh, watching MLW um, and I've seen him do nothing but grow since his time in AEW I would like to see him take the belt after Dictator John Yeah, I think it's a logical step it's not been working with Moxley, unfortunately he suffered the same fate as Drew I mean nobody realistically I heard this on a podcast, I think it, this is a quote from Brian last from the last experience, but nobody's been hurt harder through coronavirus and COVID 19 other than Drew McIntyre. Yeah. But I don't even think Drew is that bona fide standalone star that can carry the business through. Yeah, it, it, it is
0: a difficult one. And that will be maybe a uh, podcast for another time. And I'm sure you'll be interested in doing it, predicting maybe out of the current crop of stars who the potential next breakout marquee star could be. I think that would be an interesting one going forward but peter i um, want to thank you for your time today i want to thank you for going over some memories really really enjoyed that and um, i'm sure we'll be hearing from you very very soon here on the podcast
2: i look forward to it mate thank you for having me once again if you smell what the rock is cooking
0: Welcome back, Nate, to the podcast, the wrestling edition of the podcast, and it's a bit of an ad-lib one, so i be quite interested to hear your answers from this today.
4: Thanks. I do believe that in the last wrestling edition that I appeared on, that you said I had been promoted from the subs bench. However, I will take that as ratings and viewers and listeners have declined and as a result of that you have brought me back sort of like the Brock Lesnar treatment break glass (laughs) break glass in case of emergency so here I am
0: (laughs) well speaking of an emergency there's certainly an emergency with WWE right now in terms of the ratings so instead of talking about the modern product which a lot of people don't quite seem to enjoy these days I want to go back to wrestling as a child when you were younger Maybe a young adult, a teenager, whenever you get into wrestling. So, the first question I have for you is what made you get into wrestling? What attracted you to wrestling when you were younger for the very first time?
4: I didn't get into it until I was 11, coming 12. So, basically, what happened was back then, so that would have been 2000, everybody at school or your friends, you know, at, at home and stuff, were talking about wrestling. And you sort of we're like, what, what what is this? Like who are these who are these people they're talking about? And you heard the odd name being battered around, it was the Rock and Triple H, The Undertaker Stone Cold. And you're like, what is this? And it, it sounded chaotic. Now obviously we have mutual friends and it was some of these boys that, you know, were talking about it, and I was like, I must check this out sometime and so I decided to stick it on one night and right enough I just got hooked. And that's pretty much what happened. It was just the pure chaos and pandemonium of the attitude era and it just it just drew me in it was it was it was must see tv you know yourself back then you could not miss an episode of raw or smackdown and even heat heat for goodness sake was good but you could not miss it so i just got sucked in
0: yeah i mean it was you just seen something the other day about heat actually now you're now you just mentioned heat about the ratings that heat used to get and there was one point heat was getting over four million in the ratings which is incredible whenever you think about raw the flag the sort of flagship show is getting 1.5 to 1.8 at a push now but second question give me one massive childhood memory that made you go wow or got you hooked to continue to watch this that you could not miss an episode
4: when the Undertaker came back as the american badass and I remember watching that and being like, wow. Because whenever I had started watching it, Undertaker had been injured. He had missed WrestleMania 2000. So he hadn't been about. He was injured. He'd been away for about, you know, uh, a year nearly when he came back. And so when he made that return and it was the whole biker gimmick on, you're like, wow, this is cool. And, you know, he... Um, he came out like the Kid Rock and all that sort of stuff, and even the creepy entrance before you know the American Badass thing played, and it was you know the the, the schoolgirls or they were like choir girls or something, and they were like, I, "I'm scared, he's here." Remember all that? Yeah. So whenever he came in and he you know he threw Triple H about, you know he 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 punched Vince, he he grabbed Steph, he I think he hit X-Pac with this almighty chokeslam that was so high like you yep, might have well we right. fall off a building it was that high like it was really good and i always just remember that and thought wow this guy's cool like it just that's what it was there was that cool factor and it was something that you know it, it wasn't expected but then again back then you didn't have the internet and the dirt sheets so nobody had any idea and the pop we got was unbelievable and then again you know watching it as a kid and you had jr fully popping he's like, It's the Undertaker and you're like, Wow, this is amazing and because the commentary back then was so good, you felt part of it, even though you weren't there, you're thousands of miles away. But it was amazing.
0: I mean, it it really was. It was it was just that era where you couldn't miss. You just if you missed an episode, you were you almost like, No, what happened? What happened? It it was just crazy. Obviously that time period drew you in, there were several top stars at the time, there's The Rock, there's Triple H, there's Undertaker Austin was out injured. Austin, was, you, you would put in that category, but in 2000, you started watching, he was out injured, so he didn't return to September of that year. Your favourite wrestler, and why did they draw you? What attribute of that wrestler got Neil Campbell? Wow, this guy's amazing, or this girl is amazing.
4: I think you know what my answer is going to be here, don't you? I Thank do you indeed,
0: do. but tell the audience.
4: My favourite wrestler of all time, is the people's champion, the Brahma Bull, the great one, The Rock. He's, to me, he's untouchable on the mic. His mic work is exceptional, and he was the one that, you know, drew me in, and I just, when he was talking, you had to watch what he was saying. Like, even when, you know, uh, they cut backstage, and it was like Kevin Kelly interviewing The Rock, and The Rock would tear strips off him, but it was hilarious. Or if it was The Coach, or even Lillian Garcia, when the rock spoke, you listened. Fact, like not like you, everyone listened, watched what he said, and he was so entertaining. And like I know, obviously you'll get some detractors that'll say, "Oh, he's still firing out the same cheese ball lines." Twenty years later, it doesn't matter. The fans still love it because he has the audience in the palm of his hand. And there was me sitting glued to the TV screen as a twelve-year-old, like thinking this guy is literally best thing since sliced bread it was amazing and you know again you can talk about wrestling ability and how good they are in the ring and stuff if a person, if a wrestler is not entertaining it doesn't matter how good a wrestler they are because they will not get anywhere because if you cannot connect with the fans you're going to work, that's reality how many wrestlers over the years have not succeeded in WWE because they cannot connect with the fan base there's there's a list that is the length of your arm. The Rock immediately, he drew me in. I was captivated by what he said. Uh, speaking as the actual wrestling moves, he had great moves. Like The Rock Bottom's a great finisher, uh, one of the best ever. Uh, the People's Elbow, albeit it's not exactly an effective move, but it was funny. It was cool. Like It all started off as a joke, apparently, to make The Undertaker laugh at a house show, and it stuck. And The Rock, obviously, there's been various adaptations of it, you know, where he did the slide across the ring and all. There's been yeah. so many, like, again, a, a silly move, but The Rock made it great. Even the Simone drop he used to do, that was good. And the spine buster, even, do you know what I like about The Rock? <laughs> it's the punches, when he, like, hits one punch, hits two punches, and then turns around, spits at the hand, and hits them the third time, and then they go flat over the ropes. Unbelievable. Yeah. he's the best ever I don't care what, I don't care what anyone says he's my favourite he's, he's my favourite there's care. a
0: little there's a little semblance with Ric Flair there you know with the rocks his little punches and the slap or the spit in the hand and then he knocks him over the top rope and Flair always had that throw him into the turnbuckle and he does the upside down flip and falls over the top rope and outside the ring and Bret Hart was always famous for when he got thrown into the turnbuckle he ran in chest first and it made a big kind of bang you know there's always some of the greatest ever always have little things that just set them apart or little tiny tweaks or little tiny differences that just make it that little bit different but a little bit special that only they can do. And they're sort of the three that come to mind very, very quickly. Austin was always stumping a mud hole and it was always funny watching him stump a mud hole because if you, if you actually looked where his foot was, he wasn't even connecting really at all. And it was very obvious, but these were guys who were so over with the crowd, they connected so well that they could do anything and it would just work. Even if it looks silly and stupid and phony, they were just so, so well connected with the crowd. And that brings me to my last question. You talked about connection with the crowd and you talked about connecting with the audience. You don't care how good people are in the ring. That's a difference between modern wrestling and wrestling in the Attitude Era or Pre-Attitude Era or the New Generation Era or even the Ruthless Aggression Era. There's a massive difference between the eras then and the era now. The era now probably has better workers than maybe ever before as a whole in terms of the roster. But there's obviously a reason that people are turning off from today's product. So for you as a fan who started in 2000, you're not too interested in today's product. You'll watch the Rumble, you'll watch Mania, and that's kind of it. What is the difference from you from modern wrestling today and when you started watching? And why have you turned off your TV to wrestling?
4: Okay, so... I would say the internet has a massive part to play in that because nowadays you'll get marks or smarks that are who claim to be you know in the know when it comes to the internal workings of the business and then because of this and the social media and stuff they can post spoilers and you know people as well they'll deliberately go out of their way to sort of like hijack pushes as they say it you know i roman reigns they didn't like it that daniel Bryan didn't win the rumble and because of that they just booed roman reigns because they think it's cool so that would be the first point and then the second point and ultimately probably the main reason for me is whenever you watch the attitude era or even the ruthless aggression or even like long before that you were invested in the characters these characters were given freedom creatively to do what they want, to push the boat out, and because of that, you were entertained. You thought these characters were cool. Now, it doesn't matter what area you're in or what company, whether it was WWE or WCW, Ric Flair, not exactly the world's best technical wrestler ever. Still a very good wrestler, but not someone that's going to put five five five-star matches on every week. But you were invested in his character. So there's one example. Hogan was the same. Not a great wrestler, but... You were invested in his character, The Rock and Austin. You were invested in their characters. They were cool. They were edgy. You know, even people that like WCW, they would tell you the likes of Nash and Hogan. You know, you were invested in their characters. But nowadays, are you invested in some of the characters? But really, like, I'm not so sure because they don't seem to creatively be able to engage with the audience as much uh, as what those boys were back in the day. And ultimately, if you're not invested in your characters, what really are you going to be invested in? I know it's a wrestling product at the end of the day, but it's not just the wrestling for the actual wrestling matches that matter. You need to be entertained. There needs to be more. And I just find that in the Attitude Era especially, you were invested in all the characters, whether it be whoever was opening the show, the tag teams, uh, the mid-quarters, and the main event.
0: I mean, ultimately, it does. It comes down to star power, and it comes down to being a draw and that's where i feel the company falls down i feel aw the same thing they're marketing their top stars are ex-wwe guys and WWE has had a track record in the last number of years of building people up and then pulling the carpet out from underneath them so there's no standout main star which in my opinion is the problem but neil thank you for your time this evening and i'm sure we'll have you on the next episode of the podcast.
4: thank you very much it's always a pleasure
2: I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I've got the looks. The
0: Well, Johnny, you're the last the guest on the podcast, part one of this two part series. What's happening? How's your day going? How's things?
3: My day's been really good. It not not work, but the weather over here in Northern Ireland has been great today. It's maybe get like seven days of sunshine a year so it's been absolutely amazing um so yeah it was it was good to be in work and actually have some a bit of sun come home and enjoy a bit of sun still as well and i'm also very excited to be doing this with yourself tonight i was i think I'll be a wee bit earlier about some of the question stuff so uh i'm looking forward
0: to it it will be good we'll go straight into question one then what got you interested in wrestling or what attracted you to wrestling
3: I got into wrestling. I suppose a time frame would be helpful. I got into wrestling uh, really ninety late 98, 99. and then yeah, I watched until about mid two thousands. Then I, I fell away from it, and um, until from mid two thousands to maybe, and um, early 2012, 2013 again. So there's a few years gap in there where I do know what happened like, but I just I know what happened now, but I didn't watch it back then. But I got into wrestling. Back in 99, my older cousin watched it. He was a few years older than me and he just got me hooked into it. I just I'd never seen anything like it before. I was always into like football and sports and things like that. I love films and stuff as well. But wrestling in a weird way kinda amalgamated both those things of like sports and like these gimmicks and characters and storylines. I was just like, this is this is class. And I remember actually one of the big things that got me into it was the commentary <laughs> back in the day. It was just, I just found it so hilarious and was just brilliant and just really got you into it.
0: Yeah, I think there's a few people now i have mentioned the commentary. And I think really at that time, you know, J.R. and King, you know, especially 1998-99, they just were so, so good.
3: Oh, so good. J.R. especially, you know. I'll talk a little bit more about him maybe later on. So, so good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you talked about
0: you've sort of got into it late '98, '99, and you watched 2000 stuff, and then you sort of fell away. So from that time period, um, give me sort of one memory that got you hooked and made you want to keep watching, or one storyline that you couldn't wait to see develop, and you were returning every week to see something develop.
3: Oh, I mean, there's so many to choose from. It was really hard to pick. One of my one of my first um, memories uh, was Austin versus Taker and first blood fully loaded ninety nine. And this is one of my first like proper paper pieces I remember it. It was on not sure on my age possibly, but it was BHF <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're recording it, you know, you're winding it back and you're just watching it over and over. Um it was Undertaker in Austin. It was just so so good. Um, for me, that's one of my very first memories of, of wrestling. Um, but I suppose the one during that time, I mean, there are a few, but you know, there's a few moments. There's a few, you know, for, there's standout moments like Jeff Hardy, swamp, palm Bomb, 16 feet in the, in the TLC. Um, there's Cactus Jack and Triple H Street Fight in the Royal Rumble 2000, which I remember just Cactus Jack having pins in his head. And I'm going, as a kid, going, what is going on? This is awesome. Um, but I think... For me, like one of the most memorable memorable ones and things that got me hooked was the build up for it, uh, was Mania nineteen, um, was the Rock versus Austin. Um I think that was, was two thousand three?
0: Yeah, was it was, yeah.
3: Yeah. Um oh, I mean, there's the build up the the promos, the matches beforehand, I think at the time that promo used I think it was Lynn Biscuit. Yeah. Um <laughs> used their music and all. Yeah. And it was just incredible. It was just I still think it's one of the best promos for, for anything to do with wrestling um, of all time. It just got me so hyped for it. And, you know, you had The Rock, you know, and Austin, like these two colossal giants and um, two guys who were my favorites uh, growing up and got me hooked into wrestling. and now they're going head to head. And you didn't really, it was really weird cause you didn't really know who you really wanted the, the root for. Like, I ended up rooting for Austin then, but you didn't really know who you wanted to root for uh, because you just loved them so much. So I guess every week, you know, it was just the build-up that was just amazing for me. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's definitely one memory.
0: Yeah, WrestleMania 19 for me is very, very high on my favourite WrestleMania list. Like, I think 17 is probably easily probably the best, but I think 19 is a very underrated WrestleMania. Uh, yeah. With Austin Rock, Angle Lesnar, Jericho, Shawn Michaels. It was just a brilliant card throughout. There was just so yeah. many good matches on there. Um, you mentioned The Rock, you've mentioned Steve Austin. My next question is, who's your favorite wrestler and what about that wrestler drew you in to watch them every oh, week? And that's well, a hard one me. too, because you might have a couple <laughs> and then you've a, you've probably a different you know, if you're a Rock Austin fan, maybe in those sort of earlier years when you started watching again in sort of twenty ten onwards, you probably had someone else.
3: Even trying to get a top five. <laughs> it's yeah. hard work. You, they chop and change. there's like six or seven chop and change in that top five. You know, you've got the likes of, you know, the Undertaker. He's always been up there. You've got the likes of the Rock. of said, you know, Triple H. You know, I loved later when I came back the wrestle on CM Punk, uh, Orton, uh, but I guess one I've already mentioned um, um is Austin. Austin has to be my number one for me. I and why he drew me in was he had the mic skills and he had just the gimmick. Off, you know the uh, little denim shorts or whatever it was, pants at the time, the vest or the then the very cool, you know, as a kid you're just looking as a young teenager, the skull crossbones, the army baseball cap at some stages, just the whole look he has is just like I don't care about the authority. You had Vince, it's like the headmaster style corporation, and just just like just gonna stick it to you. I just loved all that, and um, you just knew, you know, Austin's music. I always felt, um. When that glass broke and, and the music hit, something was going to happen. You know, something big was going to happen. I remember in, I think it was the Invasion, invasion storyline where obviously WWF are getting beat and stuff and often does a switch around switch, switch, and stuff like that there. Um, but the glass broke at one stage, and I think they're getting pummeled. There's 20 guys in the ring, often walks in, and obviously stunners them all. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just amazing. But even when that glass broke, and there's like 20 guys in the ring, you're just like, oh, that's it, you're beat. Like, it's awesome. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, and the thing about it. that, too, you talked about earlier about JR and stuff, and you probably bring him up again. That was one of JR, in my opinion, one of his best calls. You know, that whole... That whole segment. I always remember that line of like, Austin is part of the
3: Red Sea.
0: Whenever he came out, it was just brilliant.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's why JR helped make Austin, you know, in that way. I just love the commentary. You know, it's just, I've never had a commentator who's got more excited about anything <laughs> when yeah. someone walked into the ring, and JR helped make it. And for me as a kid, JR helped me as a kid, as a young teenager, get really excited about those storylines as well. And I guess like for like, for Austin as a character, the storylines and, and stuff that he had, like there was times where he was beating Booker T backstage in a super mall. There was going into hospitals beating Vince McMahon dressed to the doctor. I mean, like you just don't kind of get that at them anymore. And Austin just kind of took things in the attitude era, as did The Rock and Degeneration X austin took things in a new level and it was just unreal
0: yeah i think there, there was a key thing anyway for me I, I my favorite's always been austin too but when i was a kid i i always i believed it you know when when the glass hit and he came out and started throwing bombs throwing punches and stuff i believed like he, he is this big ass kicking machine and to me that's <laughs> yeah. what that's one of the biggest differences um sort of between yeah. now and then was i believe these guys when the rock came out in pair of trousers gucci shoes and a very fancy shirt and start talking about the, the money he made and how big a star he was i believed them you know what i mean,
3: I mean they're, they're realistic believable characters like i totally get that i totally believed austin was this beer drinking didn't care about anything he just came in and just you know raised hell and left so to speak you know i, I generally thought as a, as, a, as a kid like when he brought the beer truck in into the stadium, that he was just the whole face was flooded with beer. Like, I thought that was, you know, this guy has gone and got a beer truck. <laughs> like, I thought that was real, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And when you look back now, like, Austin, he was a good wrestler, of course. He just people sold his moves. He put people over, you know, dare I say it, you know, I think he even made The Rock the star, you know, that he is. He gave The Rock the platform, the push that he needed. And he wasn't afraid to do that, which is why. I also now later in my years i suppose i respect austin as well for that it's it's
0: huge i think when you have a star like that or an draw like that but we've touched on a little bit there about the di- like a little bit of a difference i guess between modern wrestling and the wrestling back then whenever we were a kid and we were maybe a young adult and we were just sort of obsessed with it or obsessed with these characters so the final question for you Is that a difference between modern wrestling and when you watched it as a kid or what turns you off today's product or what makes you enjoy today's product?
3: There is. There is a difference between today's product and and the old product. And and it's not like I don't like wrestling these days. I I haven't watched it as much recently because I find it really weird without the crowds and stuff. Yeah. But I'm still trying to keep up to date with what's going on. But um, even with the crowds there, you know, I still the PG era is 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 good. Um, but it's just not what it used to be. Um, I think the obvious difference is PG, and the Attitude Era had that edge. It was able to get away with things that just kind of made it, wow, this is amazing. Like, as I said earlier on, when Cactus Jack and Triple H had that street fight, and there was pins out of McFoley's head, you're like, what is this? What is going on? Um, It was just amazing. Um, I think the big thing for me, a couple of things that's different is the storylines for me just aren't as creative or as good as they used to be. I think the promos are very scripted today and not so edgy off the cuff. I I couldn't believe um, if you were to give Austin a, a, I don't know a 20 page promoter read before the night that Austin's going to read that like he'll just or the Rock they'll just go off and they are so talented. And I know that they were standout ones, but even, you know, mid carters back then could do a promo um, and do it well. But now it's just really, really scripted, I feel. Um, I mean, you just look at the evolution of, of John Cena. Um, when he first came in, he was, you know, spitting rhymes and he was, you know, having a go at everyone through his rap. And it was, it was actually quite good, but now it's gotten a wee bit more scripted as he's went along as well. So there's yeah. the storylines are maybe not as creative. And the other thing for me, which you've actually touched on on a previous um, podcast and um, was about the size of the roster. I think now the roster is just so big. I think people get lost, which means the storylines then get lost. Like, I think you could easily, someone could be missing for two or three weeks and you could totally forget about them. And you're like, oh, that's right. He, he, he or, she, or she is still here. I totally forgot about that. The gimmicks for me are not the the same as they used to be I thought and the big thing for me was I mean people always ask me why do you watch wrestling and the people you, you didn't like wrestling I'm like it's like a soap opera for me that's the way I put it it was great yeah. I loved it <laughs> the gimmicks were part of that the gimmicks were believable Um, and even the ones like Undertaker you're intrigued even Goldust I remember being so intrigued of his whole gimmick as well it was just brilliant and I guess again championships had meaning and you touched on that in the podcast as well yeah, holding a belt and something. Um, however, uh, to answer the second part of your question, there are pros to like um, the days wrestling. Like the Divas is a big thing. I think what the PGR has done for the Divas, you know, has been amazing. Uh, I think that they're wrestling at the common the forefront, and they're actually really, you know, they're given a the proper push, and it's actually really helped the company as a whole. I think that they. I actually enjoy the wrestlers in terms of their wrestling ability more yeah that's a big draw i think that their actual wrestling ability what's coming through the product that's coming through are technically some of the best and that's you know there's no question about that but i think just going back is it's just the storylines and the creative team behind i think if they were able to uh, narrow it down tell better stories and and to be honest for me that's not a that's not a hard fix I think with the product that you have today with a few good storylines in behind that with bringing back more meaningful belts you've got a winner there again to be honest yeah yeah
0: I think for me like when you look back at the Attitude Era even the Ruthless Aggression Era there was a couple of writers on every show you know you're talking mm-hmm. Attitude Era there was two to three and they ran everything through sort of Vince this is our idea this is what we want to do and then Vince would maybe go yeah maybe tweak this change that And I know from listening to a lot of the writers' podcasts, who do a lot of stuff now, they would actually speak to those wrestlers who would be involved and be like, hey, this is our idea for you tonight. What do you think? This is your character. And The Rock was very big for that. Austin was very big for, oh, that sounds good, but I would probably change this a little bit, and it seemed to all work. Whereas now you've got 30 or 40 people writing, and the wrestlers are saying, okay, sir, no problem, sir. I'll go and do that. There's no real input from them which if you go back to a podcast Austin done with Vince McMahon way back in like 2012 or it might have been 2013 somewhere around there Vince actually said there's no one willing to just step up and grab it whereas The Rock would be on record saying he just said no I'm doing it this way you just gotta trust me and I think there's a big difference between that today and between maybe the two products of when we grew up there was guys willing to take a risk and another thing I think is a massive issue is not, not so much, in, in a good way, the camaraderies there, like when Kofi won the title, there's a, a documentary in the WWE Network and stuff about it, and it shows you all the guys backstage like jumping and cheering and applauding and saying, this is amazing. But back whenever we were kids, you had Austin, Rock, Angle, Triple H, Taker, all these guys, and they all yeah. wanted to outdo each other. There was a more competitiveness against each other in not, not so much in a negative way that they didn't like each other, but they wanted to outdo each other. Whereas now there seems a very much like, oh that was great pat in the back type thing to each other rather than trying to be the number one themselves. And I think that's maybe a bit of an issue
3: in my opinion. Yeah. I, I read so I read that recently, I was in the something recently about Triple H, you know, how him and the rock never saw it eye, but they respected each other and they pushed each other along. So I totally get that and I don't think you probably get that anymore. You're right, yeah. But can I ask you why, why do you think that is? Why why would you do you think they're afraid of say no to events? Or I don't know. I mean,
0: the the story I always like going back to is Bret Hart Austin at Mania thirteen, um, the submission match, the really big one that sort of got Austin re- turned him face and got him really over. Mm. Bret said before the match, and they weren't allowed to do any blood or color. And Bret said before the match, this needs color. We mm-hmm. can't just go out and do a submission match. It's such a crippling match they've put us in and they weren't too happy about it so for them it was all about let's make it into something better and they weren't allowed to do color but brett said look i'm a main event star nothing will happen to me i'll maybe get slapped on the wrist if they even find out so let's just do it and austin said yeah. okay no problem and brett said look if anything it said put all the heat on me that i did it and you didn't know anything about it and brett cut him with a little blade during that match and that's where the blood came from Whereas I think mm-hmm. nowadays people are scared to take those risks. That's just my personal opinion. That there's a bit of fear there about taking yeah. those risks, whether it be on a microphone deviating from the scripted promo that they're given or in the ring deviating from the 10 minute planned match that was laid out by someone else backstage or deviating yeah. from, that's just, that's just a personal opinion that or an example, which I've heard.
3: Um, there's from, no, more pipe, no more pipe bombs anymore. None yeah. Of
0: that. <laughs> yeah. I mean like, I mean, yeah, I love like, punk. Yeah, like punk just, I think that, that that was, it was scripted to an extent that they yeah. said, look, here's a mic, go out and say what you want. But they didn't know what he was going to come off with and it was brilliant. <laughs> and I think you have to give, especially as you said, it's like a, a soap opera for men. I think you've got to give that bit of creative freedom there. And when you sh- when you put shackles on creativity, you know, it's like, it's almost <laughs> like telling an author go and write a book, but you only allow 10 characters and it must end like this.
3: Yeah, fill in the gaps yeah.
0: and i think you need to allow some creativity and that's where i think they've really fallen down
3: yeah no i agree i think there's some there are some as i say there's some technically great wrestlers there are some real good potential gimmicks in there as well i know i think it's neil, neil in the podcast he's a great wild but yeah i think as a character and as a gimmick he's brilliant but I think he is wasted. He's massively uh, not booked right, in the right ways as well. But but they have so, so much good potential there. And I think they're just wasting. But I think that comes down to also maybe having just too many in the yeah. roster. Just, just too many coming through. They don't know what to do with them all.
0: Yeah, it is. I, I would agree. It's like that factory for wrestlers. And they've just got, you know, 40 or 50 per show. And they've got 40 or 50 writers each with different ideas and how they should handle these people. It just... I don't know, too many cooks spoil the broth, I guess. And I think that's a bit of an issue, you know what I mean? Like maybe one writer is doing the Bray Wyatt Braun Strowman storyline this week on SmackDown, then it's someone else next week, you know, almost like the Star Wars trilogy, you know, different director for the middle (laughs) movie. And all of a sudden, in the last movie, the guy's trying to maybe fix things that he didn't like and vice versa.
3: Yeah, no, that's a good analogy. I like that. Let um, me know I'm
0: a Star Wars fan, possibly. <laughs> Such a
3: pure guess. <laughs> I figure most wrestling fans seem to be into the same thing:
0: comics, Star Wars, Marvel, things like that. Yep. <laughs> so, John, I appreciate your time today. That's all the questions I've got for you. And go and enjoy the rest of Barcelona and Bayern Munich. We have missed an absolute cracker of a first half hour. <laughs>
3: well, I'm, gonna to, I'm gonna have to watch that back. But uh, no, thanks very much for having me on. It's always a pleasure. It's always great to listen and uh, be a part of it whenever I can.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast with me, your host, Darren. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Podcast. Thanks for your time, stay safe, and tune in next time.